0: Welcome to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast, featuring leadership author and podcaster Carrie Newhoff and Barna President David Kinnaman. This podcast delivers unprecedented insights every week into how church leaders are navigating constant change in an era of disruption and discusses new digital tools to help you stay connected in real time to the people in your church. And now, your hosts, Carrie Newhoff and David Kinnaman. Well, hey everyone. This is David Kinneman, and uh, this is a new episode of Church Pulse Weekly. I'm joined today by Pete Gregg. Hey, Pete, how's it going?
1: Great to be with you, David. It's going. It's, it's snowing in England.
0: Oh well, it's not snowing here in Southern California, so we'll uh, it's it's uh, we'll, we'll have a we'll we'll have a little weather competition. Uh, Pete Gregg has committed his life to helping people hear the voice of God and facilitating the supernatural outpouring of His Word and truth throughout the world. Uh, In addition to being a best-selling author, Greg is one of the uh, founding champions of 24-7 prayer. He's a senior pastor of Emmaus Road Church in the south of England, and his newest book, How to Hear God, A Simple Guide for Normal People, is a follow-up to uh, How to Pray, A Simple Guide for Normal People. So um, it's it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for joining us here on Church Pulse Weekly.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, David. We're so grateful for all that you do to equip leaders and give us facts as our friends as we try and lead so God bless you thanks for having me
0: yeah of course well let's do this uh, as we usually do on church pulse weekly we'll start out with some data so uh, Pete will just hang in the background here as we talk a little bit about um, what we're learning in the research and then he'll come on and talk a little about what he thinks about that and and some other some other key key ideas that we want to share with you today and uh, first as we've studied prayer, um, over the course of the pandemic, we'll talk about just sort of current state. That uh, when we when we interview people here in the states, uh, three in five U.S. adults report that they pray at least once a week or more. Which you know, for a spiritual activity, there's hardly anything in our society uh, that gets a majority of Americans uh, to do to do anything, much less a spiritual activity. And so, prayer is one of those one of those um, areas of commonality. Um, we're actually releasing a big study coming up um, this fall called "The Open Generation Around Teenagers," and part of the openness is their openness to Scripture, their openness to the Person of Jesus, um, their openness even then to prayer, um, regardless of their religious tradition. Prayer is one of the big open doors uh, to an open generation, and as are teen- teenagers around the world. Um Another set of stats um, that we've been looking at uh, over the course of the pandemic is simply the the spike, the increase of prayer um, as the pandemic began and really in some ways, you know, over the course of the pandemic. So in January, just a couple of months ago from from the time we're recording this, January of 2022, 17%, one in six Christians said that they'd started praying, started praying if they don't normally since the pandemic started, and uh, the number was only nine percent when we asked about it uh, back in early 2020. Uh, so an interesting sort of um, you know sort of increase. Like there there seems to be both an, both an increase in prayer since the pandemic, and in some ways an acceleration of people admitting and and saying that they've been praying during the pandemic. Um, at the beginning of COVID, another stat here is um, prayer and emotional support were the top item churchgoers chose when asked what types of support they most needed from the church. So, looking back at, towards the beginning of the pandemic, um, uh, prayer and emotional support were things that people said. You know, this is exactly what we're we're looking for from from a church. And then finally, one in five churchgoers said they engaged with church through digital prayer experiences over the course of the pandemic. Um, and so I'm, I'm surprised it's not a little higher than that, but it's an interesting stat as well. When you see that sort of prayer has gone, you know, fr- from you know the, the basement and the and the you know the the sort of the, the, the prayer meeting to the digital prayer meeting, when you hear those stats, um, just what what are your reactions? What what's what strikes you as you hear some of those stats rattle off?
1: Well, the first word that comes to mind, David, is hallelujah. I mean, it is amazing. That I think you said 17% of Christians have started praying. (laughs) I mean, there's some bad news there, but there's some good news for pastors, right? Um, Because, you know, once the ship is moving, you can steer it. But, you know, when people aren't praying, then it's it's not moving. And um, so I'm encouraged by that. And of course, that's backed up by church history that people turn to prayer in times of crisis. And actually, it's it's backed up by the Bible story. We don't do very well when everything's comfortable. But, um, you know, the the root word for prayer is precarious. So we we pray because life is so precarious. It's too painful and too wonderful for us to contain. And and so we turn to God. And, um, you know, David, I know, you know, you've very publicly led through enormous pain Uh, those are the moments for all of us and as pastors we know that people do even if they don't believe in god they'll often turn to him in prayer so in a way it's not surprising i think the thing that particularly encourages me in your stats is that there may be signs that the habit is sticking that it wasn't just a 9-11 style spike, you know, famously church attendance went up, but then it came down again right. after 9-11. There's, there's some indications that people are starting to pray and continuing. And in 24-7 Prayer, the organization I helped to lead, that has certainly been our experience. Over the last two years, demand for all our digital resources has just gone through the the roof. It's been a really busy time for us. So Uh, praise God. And, And the one other thing I think is interesting in there for me is I couldn't agree more that people who don't go to church and don't call themselves Christians also pray. We found that again and again, people who don't want to be preached at still want to be prayed for. And I think that we misjudge prayer when we just see it as kind of this power source we do in a back room instead of understanding prayer as a missional meeting place with a culture that mostly exists outside the walls of the church.
0: I uh, remember that moment when I saw data coming in early on in my career here um, and seeing how many Americans, well, first of all, said that they had made a commitment to Christ that was still important. We've actually done work in the UK <clears throat> with uh, yeah. Church of England, a group called Hope, uh, Evangelical Alliance yeah. on this study a few years ago called Talking Jesus, where you know jesus is is not universally admired among u uh, k residents, but there's there's more there's more life in the bones than you can imagine. There's more awareness of Jesus. there's more openness to it, even among people that might be ordinarily deeply skeptical. Um, and mm-hmm. prayer is one of those places, as we we're just talking about, that uh, believers and non-believers alike seem to to gravitate to in in modern parlance. It might be meditation. There's now even apps for business settings that allow for um, you know for meditative practices and prayer. Yeah, if you choose to call it that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what do you think? Some of those broader. You know, the the pandemic comes in a moment when people are still as spiritual as they've ever been and have these deep questions. What does that say to you as someone who's been leading prayer for so long? Like, how do we make the most of this moment?
1: Well, you know, the first thing is I long for us to be as interested in people's questions as we are in our own answers. Um, Because, you know, to me one of the reasons people gravitate towards prayer it's not just that to be human is to pray but it's that prayer is a very non-judgmental space right where you just bring yourself as you are before god and i think too often we 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 kind of demand that people jump to the creedal top of the staircase you know to to you know, you, there's so many strange things we expect people to do to come to church but actually encouraging and affirming people as they take steps out of for example secular humanism towards faith is something we, we we've got to applaud i was really challenged david um because a very senior businessman in our church i mean he he, he he's a private equity guy he runs a lot of businesses all your listeners would have heard of and he hit burnout, as a lot of these guys do, and actually as a lot of pastors do, adrenal burnout. And one of the things his his doctor told him was that he needed to practice mindfulness. This is a guy who came to know Jesus through uh, Alpha back in the day before he'd made his millions, and um, he loves the Lord. So he started buying all these pop psychology kind of Buddhist-like books on how to do mindfulness. And I realized as his pastor, I had failed to teach him the Judeo-Christian biblical frameworks for breathing deeply, being still, centering in the presence of God, meditating on scripture and so on. And uh, it was kind of a moment of repentance. I think, honestly, I was so worried because there are people, particularly in America, who try and ban some of my books now because I teach some of this stuff. And I was so worried about what a certain extreme wing of the church would say about me if I talked about the more contemplative aspects of prayer, that I had failed as a pastor just to equip this guy. And it was a joy to say, you can put down those books you bought at the airport, and here's what the scriptures teach. Here's how you do it. Here's how you center yourself on Christ each day. Here's how you fill your mind with truth rather than emptying it and uh, he does that every single day now and he said it's been totally transformational for him so um, yeah lots of opportunities for us as, as leaders at a time like this
0: well it strikes me that that um connects back to you know so much of, of christian history and tradition of uh the desert fathers and the monastic tradition right. and and now in an age of anxiety of mental health pressures of the frenetic pra- pace of of a, a generation that's, you know, kind of constantly scrolling, uh, you know, sp- spending five, six hours a day on screens, taking in content. Um, these are, you know, ancient practices that are more important than ever. Um, how, how have you seen for for younger people, you know, a Generation Z millennials who are, who are dealing with mental health issues before the pandemic, um, how have you seen sort of receptivity to some of these ideas of of prayer and contemplative prayer? Um, you know what, what are what are ways you think that that we can make this as as relevant and as 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 essential to emerging generations?
1: One of one of the great joys of recent years for me, David, has been the full discovery of the Lectio Divina. Right, this ancient mm. approach to praying the Bible. Not just studying it, but praying it, and um, we're certainly seeing that taking off all around the world. We launched a, a, an app, a free daily devotional called Lectio Three Six Five. I think only two years ago, and it, it, it's like the least rock and roll thing ever, but it's it's just spreading exponentially, um, mm. and, and you know we now have. You know, 178,000 daily users. People always quote how many phones they're on. It's kind of irrelevant. The question is how much actual usage, and the stories are profoundly moving. Students um, having real crises at, at university, saying my my ten minutes of peace each day is using the Lectio app, and doctors on the front line of COVID. Similar stories. So it's very moving, and the approach as as many of Uh, your listeners and viewers will know, is this, um, you you, you pray the Bible slowly, reflectively, using your imagination, and using it really as a launch pad into prayer. Um, You know, the the, the original sort of Latin steps, you know, are are, um, Lectio, that means read, and then um, uh, meditatio, meditate upon on on the verse. Then oratio, uh, that's you turn it into prayer. And then contemplatio, then you you actually move beyond the text into just contemplating the Lord. It's a, it's that moment, using Wesley's nice phrase of of being lost in wonder, love, and praise. And so, for me, you know, when I graduated seminary, I, I it's a cliche really. I'd learned so much about the Bible, but I'd I'd lost the ability to really encounter God in in the scriptures and Lectio Divina has been an absolute key for me so it's amazing how it's spreading um and I think it is partly to do with the mental health thing it's called Lectio 365.
0: Yeah great I'd love for listeners to take a look at that I'm planning to download it myself you mentioned this a few minutes ago um about you know kind of your your thoughts your concerns around um how largely the U.S., although I think it, it, it's other other places as well, but the U.S. has such a huge Christian marketplace. And I'm a person who's uh, you know ser- served here at, at, as a researcher for, for for you know for a while now. And um, I've, there's quite quite a Christian ecosystem here. Um, it's it's it sometimes strikes me here in the states. You know, there Paul says you have ten thousand guardians in Christ, but we have at least ten thousand nonprofits that are devoted to educating publishing broadcasting create creating content equipping family whatever it is yeah. you, f- you find your nit- your niche audience your niche your niche thing you alluded to some of the, your your thoughts about concerns people might have around yeah. s- some par- parts of what you um have written i just would love to hear like what what do you think on a on a good day a critic says about your your work and then how do you how would you respond to that? I mean, what's a what's a fair characterization of some some of the ways people might be concerned? But then how do we how do we think better and differently about that?
1: Uh when you say on a good day, what does a critic say? Uh do you, do you mean what 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 are the nice things critics say?
0: What's it, sometimes a fair a fair characterization? So sometimes I mean, with Barna gets our, we get we have people who say you know you miss this you miss that you know and and there's yeah. sometimes fair criticism and then there's sometimes yeah. just completely off off the off the rails kind of criticism. So you know what's a fair yeah. c- point of criticism? But then how do we think about you know wh- wh- why sh- why should we not be skeptical of these more m- meditative? What contemplative sort of ways of thinking about prayer what 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 are what are we what are we missing?
1: Yeah, I mean I think a, a, a fair question to ask is um where's the place for, um, for for doctrine and and rootedness in in you know truth uh, as there's a movement towards you know Christian unity, I think sometimes with you know the emerging culture. If anything's written in Latin, they think it must be true. I live in a part of the world where we're trying to get away from a lot of that stuff because um, you're on the other side of the romanticism about, you know, old buildings and, and liturgy and you're seeing some of the kind of, you know, unhealthy stuff in there. So I, I think, um, you know, there is a risk that that there's such a sort of... um. Uh, you know, an inclusivity and anything that sort of vaguely feels nice will embrace it. And and I do believe in truth. In, in, in the new book I've written, How to Hear God, there's a whole section, which I thought was just kind of due diligence, David, uh, on hearing God in the Bible before getting on to dreams and visions and prophecies and contemplation, all the stuff we're talking about now. The number one bit of feedback I've had so far is, thank you for teaching us about hearing God in the Bible. And I realized that that's kind of a radical thing for a generation that, um, you, 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 know, they think an encounter with God is two hours in tears, worshiping rather than studying the Bible and and hearing God in, in the scriptures. So, um, I I think, I think that is a, a fair challenge. Um, but, uh, you know, I think my, my passion is this. Um, we have so much to learn from other kinds of Christians and other places in the world and other times in history. And it is a phenomenal thing to be rooted in something bigger than just our own little bit of the world. I, I was at Cheston that said, he who marries the spirit of the age is widowed in the next. And as I get to travel, you know, 24-7 prayer, we're in over half the nations on earth. I get to travel a great deal there is so much to learn from other paradigms especially outside the west um uh, other cultures and then personally i've been so enriched by uh, studying the desert fathers by studying some of the uh, ancient aspects of our faith and and we have a number of monastic communities part of the 24/7 prayer movement and it's it's terrific to have that as part of our kind of language of faith um you mentioned your
0: book and um how to pray was such a terrific project, so helpful to me. Um, how to hear God is is the follow up to that. Um, what was the need you were trying to address? Uh, you know, how, how does that differ from the first the first project, How to pray, how, and then How to hear God? What what was the need you were trying to address there?
1: Well, on one level, it's just the natural sequel. It's the other side of the conversation, right? Prayer is talking to God, and and, and then if you don't hear God, it's not a conversation. Uh, so there was just a fairly natural thing there. And I thought it would be fairly easy, if I'm honest, David. Most pastors have done a talk on hearing God at some point. I thought, that's fine, just turn it into a book. What I found was it's the most difficult thing I've ever had to write uh, for a number of reasons. The first thing was I realized it's the most important thing we can ever equip anyone to do. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice, Um, and, and, and that is the mark of discipleship. It's also confusing because every single one of us have been hurt by times when either God didn't speak when we needed him to, or we didn't hear him when he spoke, or by the abuse of scripture or the prophetic, uh, a controlling parent who used scripture to control you, a preacher who abused it. Uh, I remember the lady who stopped me as i was leaving church one day looked me in the eyes and said god has commanded me to marry you i mean you know and then i haven't even mentioned the way that the the, this as it were the word of god was has been co-opted in recent years by by people with a political agenda which has been so damaging especially for those outside the church and their perception of the gospel so you suddenly realize you're you're straying into this really really complex field that is also incredibly not important just important essential to a real relationship with god and um and then the final thing was i was determined to learn from all the different christian traditions what's the best of the evangelical insight into hearing God in the Bible? What's the best of the charismatic insight into the prophetic and dreams? What's the best of the contemplative insight into the still small voice? And uh, and when you do that, you create that big hug, you kind of know you're also going to get shot at from each side. I've done interviews (laughs) with evangelicals in your wonderful country who love my emphasis on the Bible, but are clearly deeply alarmed about my interest in the prophetic and dreams and visions. And then I've done literally straight afterwards interview, uh, an interview on one occasion with a kind of Pentecostal soccer mom type podcast who loved all the the wild stories, of the prophetic, but was really quite alarmed by all the boring old stuff about Lectio Divina and the Bible. So, you know, you, you kind of get shot at from each side.
0: Yeah. You can't win for trying sometimes. Can you, um,
1: <laughs> you can't.
0: So, um, I would love for you to get really practical for church leaders who are listening. And, um, how would you build a kind of prayer ministry from the ground up? I and mean, what are the key characteristics? What should we, what should we be looking for? What are the ways you'd say, if you're, if you're not doing it this way, if you're not, if you're not seeing it in these, in these fashions, you're, you're, you're missing some importance. Cause I, at this great moment, just to, to kind of put this in context for leaders, we have this huge increase in mental health challenges, yeah. in in interest in prayer, in uh, sort of a, a, a greater awareness that we really don't control much. We've just lived through a great pandemic, and we're still in the midst of, of that in some ways. And, and then you have churches that are showing up with, with sort of like all the kind of programs and preaching and all the good stuff they're doing, but how does prayer really intersect this moment, and what are the key markers in a practical way for church leaders to make sure they're really hitting their marks?
1: Such a great question. I mean, the key thing here is to create a culture of prayer, not just to try and roll out a program, because programs end up running out of steam eventually, and and then you you know you go hunting for the next one. Programs can serve culture, but the program is not the cult the same as the culture. Uh, so the first question it's less practical than probably what a lot of people are wanting i will give something practical a sec but is is um you know really think about how you shape a culture of prayer and that is everything from leading by example it seems to me as followers of jesus who would stay up all night praying get up early and pray pray before you made a decision you you know we as leaders cannot delegate prayer to others and that's my story i began i planted two churches with a terrible prayer life, and um and it was realizing I've got to address this in myself. I've got to stop outsourcing prayer to godly old ladies. Um, yeah, I've got to be at the church prayer meeting. Like I know it's, it's sort of I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I, I it's not okay not to be at that if I believe it's the, the key and the core. And so um, that's the first thing is lead by example. I'm sure many of the people listening to this have phenomenal prayer lives. But in my experience, I have, you wouldn't believe how many pastors, even some of them quite famous ones, come, have come to me over the years, like Nicodemus in the night, to say, my embarrassing secret is I just hardly pray. You know, I mean, it's a real issue. Secondly, let's teach on prayer. This seems, again, so obvious, but I've done analysis. You know, it's pretty easy to go on churches' websites and find out what their preaching series are. And, and, and you're lucky if there's kind of one series a year on prayer, even though this is one of the few things that's on every page of the Bible. And so let's make sure that we're teaching on prayer. Thirdly, let's make space for sharing the stories of answered prayer. If you stand up at church this Sunday and say, raise your hand, if you have ever experienced a miraculous answer to prayer, you will find at least half the hands go up. I mean, it's, I've done this all around the world. And if you just were to take a bit of time to say, come on, let's hear some of those stories. Everyone will be so encouraged and so inspired to pray. Some parts of the church are terrible at acknowledging the fact that prayer doesn't always work and life can hurt like hell. But there are other parts that are so enamored with lament and disappointment with God that they don't ever pause to look at the absolute extraordinary fact, not that God doesn't answer prayer, but that he does. So make space because faith comes through hearing. And so we need to make sure we're giving oxygen, yes, to the pain, but also to the hope that we have in the power of prayer. Now, in terms of strategies, I would say, firstly, this, it's always much easier to get a natural leader to pray than to get a prayer leader to lead <laughs> many people are passionate about intercession are just not natural leaders and the, the trouble is because they're well-meaning and wonderful that we put them in charge of those aspects of our church life i would say get someone who you know when they when they say something everyone's going to join in and then get them passionate about prayer and equip them to lead in that it's much easier I'll said again to get a leader praying than to get a prayer person leading Mm. um one of the things that has really helped us in our prayer life in our local church in fact our our corporate prayer life has exploded through lockdown um we now have three prayer meetings a day and um you know at least 80 people at the morning prayer meeting for example every day and that has continued um And it's, 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 it's phenomenal. It's become a real community in its own right. Uh, is, is, is suddenly being able to do prayer on zoom has been absolutely phenomenal. It's a real skill in leading it well, but, uh, it is possible to do that. And it's been utterly life-giving. So I don't get to all of those. Don't be impressed. Uh, but I do commit to some of them Mm -hmm. and, um, and it just kind of builds the prayer furnace at the heart of the church. Um, so there's lots more I could say, David, but those, those are a few tips about shaping culture.
0: So, so helpful. What's uh just, just a kind of a, a, a lightning round? What's that uh, one or two, three tips on leading a good Zoom prayer meeting?
1: One, prepare. Amazing how many leaders will spend hours preparing a message, a sermon, a talk, but then just turn up at the prayer meeting and wing it prepare you've got people are busy they, they they turn up a prayer meeting but their mind is somewhere else so so actually work out how do i inform their minds that means a little bit of research and move their hearts so you don't just start, say hey let's pray about ukraine isn't it terrible just take a few minutes get some statistics how many displaced people actually are there you know uh, Seventy percent of people in Ukraine call themselves Christians, way higher than America or the UK. How does that affect the way we might pray? Um, so explore some of that stuff, uh, but also work out how you're going to move their hearts. Everyone feels like we should be really bothered, but they're thinking about their dinner. They're thinking about something else. Why don't you just grab a picture of, you know, news website of? You know, I don't know, a kid playing in the rubble or whatever it is, and put that up on the screen and say, Hey, let's pray for children like this one. And here's a scripture to help guide your prayers. So, that, there's lots more I could say, but that's one of them. And never let it get boring. The minute that pe- the mistake people make in prayer meetings is this they wait for the last person to finish. Always stop. When the first person stops, keep it moving. Interrupt the people who are still praying so that it never gets boring, and an hour will go very quickly. So
0: good, thank you for those helpful tips. Um, we're 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 coming up on on some some kind of time here as we as we wrap up our interview, but I have a couple a couple more things I want to just mention and and get your reactions to. Um, first, one of the things that's been so on my mind the last um, five six years. It's actually going back to a project I did called "You Lost Me," where we interviewed people about why they left the church, and it turns out that people leave the church because they really don't hear Jesus, right? So, and one of my one of my early readers of the of the book project I was working on said, "You know, you're talking a lot about leaving the church, but you know, you're you're missing the idea that people just aren't, you know, the, Jesus is missing from their experience of church." And so, as I've the last number of years studied wow. res- resilient discipleship. <laughs> only 10 percent of young people who grow up as christians are what we call resilient disciples the resilient pastor by glenn packham yep and um uh pete's showing the the cover of that book that barn just released and um, if you're just just listening in and so this theme of resilience resilient leadership resilient pastors resilient disciples has been a big part of our effort here at barn to try to help you know resilience is different than just being really strong or really robust Resilience is—you actually grow in yes. faith. Your roots grow deeper um, as as uh, the the storms come. Um, you know, v- like vineyards, some of the best wine comes from those uh, those vineyards where the roots have to really struggle and go down deep to find the kind of nourishment um, in in the soil. <clears throat> and so, one of the really fascinating data points was that we we've interviewed. We have you know this little typology of resilient disciples representing just ten percent of young people. And then habitual churchgoers who are v- virtually the same in almost every aspect of church going, but they don't believe in a real in in the same degree to the same degree in a real experience of Jesus. And it's as practical in some ways as right. the resilient disciples actually listen and believe God speaks to them. And those who are habitual churchgoers and those who are even even less active, nomads or prodigals and ex-Christians, they they were really are much less likely, even so. To say they hear the voice of God, so this project that you're working on, this book, um, you know, how to hear God, seems to me so essential for us as Christians because so many we're we're talking right now about my research on on you know those 29 and younger, but it seems so essential to us because it is the very. The very nature of the church—that this isn't just a, a bunch of people coming together around some ancient tradition, but it is coming around a, a real and living God, yeah. who you know, who as Hebrew says, mediates a new covenant between God and His people, and um, who who actually wants to speak to us—and somehow we've lost that plot. Right. And at the heart of resilience is right. is just actually listening and tuning into God, not just talking at God. At at best, prayer could be. You know, sometimes or i shouldn't say at best mm-hmm. sometimes prayer becomes nothing more than just trying to talk at god which is which is which is fine in its own way it's better than not praying but i'm wondering what you think about um what's you know what one way you think resilience can be cultivated and just leaning in and sort of this expectation of experiencing god and hearing from him i'd love to hear you uh, reflect on how essential that is and why that's so often missed
1: well we often build our churches as consumer environments and um you know it seems to me that it's very efficient to stand on a platform and just stream broadcast be the expert but it's very slow to do what jesus did which is walk with people through their actual lived experience their actual pain their actual questions and even in doing that to do so as not an expert but as a guide So someone who helps them to listen to God. So for example, what would it look like if instead of going into a pastoral crisis and saying, here's what I sense God is saying to you, and here's a Bible verse, go in and say, let's ask God some questions together. And here are some pointers on how you might posture yourself to listen. And I'd like to come back and see you in a few days time and you tell me what you sense god has been saying and so we we we, we it's not uh, it's very well meaning that we seek to help people but sometimes in helping people we don't actually uh ever take like the stabilizers off their bike is do you call them stabilizers in america tra-
0: you know, training wheels the little wheels on the side of <laughs> yeah, the tra- tra- training
1: the train training wheels. Wheels. we never take the training wheels off you know because We don't want them to get hurt. We don't want them to get into heresy. It's easier for us to quote, you know, the scriptures. So actually coaching people and realizing that's our primary job. I mean, Eugene Peterson wrote about this a lot. You know, he he wanted to see the church as the, in the contemplative pastor, he talks about, I want to see the church as this sort of teaching center. And he quickly realized his primary task was to teach people how to pray. And part intrinsic to that is how how to hear God, and that is resilience, isn't it, David? It, it, it's it, it's like I cannot give you every bit of information that you might possibly need for processing the tragedies and the wonders that your life will right. bring, but I can equip you with the tools for a relationship with god who says i will never leave you i will never forsake you and it, it's such a different it's a paradigm shift for pastors i believe
0: so well said i i couldn't agree more um from my vantage point of having studied the health and vitality and sometimes the lack of that uh in in the church primarily north america but but increasingly our team has been able to do work around the world and um the sort of tools for relationship with god is such a important idea and um again at, at our best church leaders for listeners i mean we're, we're doing that i want to encourage you it's been a hard couple of years um it isn't that you haven't tried it's just that i'm i'm you know so grateful to talk to pete because i think there's even a better way and i believe that prayer is such an important part of that my last kind of comment and then and then turn to you for a last word is um i, I think more than ever i'm i'm you know reflecting on this opportunity that we have as as leaders to help sort of sort of continuing the same theme of of tools for for real relationship with with the lord um that people are are hungry and and they need to be be both trained and prepared and then shown the way to have to, to live with an expectancy of experiencing god um and mm-hmm. um I'm wondering, and I believe now more than ever, I mean, having done, you know, hundreds of thousands of of interviews with, with Gen Z, Gen Z, and, uh, millennials and younger believers and non believers that, you know, all of our efforts have been so well meaning. Most of our efforts have, have, have produced some fruit, but that we're, we're still trying to do so much of, so much of this through, through kind of rationality and program and, you know, again, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I'll trust in, in the name of the Lord. And some come to you with wise and persuasive words, but I've come to you with a demonstration of the power of of the Spirit and of God's, you know, sort of work among you. Um uh in, in Second Timothy, mm-hmm. Paul says, you know, remember the faith of your your grandmother and your, your mother, and then you know, I'm gonna fan into flames through the laying on of hands, uh, your spiritual gifts. And I, I believe that if we're going to see the kind of revival all of us want to see in and through the church, <clears throat> it's not going to be, uh, you know, a, 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 some sort of um, great new church model or some new, you know, book or some new program. But it's actually going to be experiencing God in new ways, and so being expectant and ready to be, to, to what we really believe. Like, there's a, a, a real Creator of the universe who wants to speak into the very hearts of of humans. Um, so it's such an exciting moment because people are, are hungry for that, and um, as we as we wrap up, what are ways you sort of could you know sort sort of speak some words of encouragement about how you see us building that expectancy to hear and see and you know to taste and see what God is up to in the world.
1: I love the way you framed it. I think that um, the statistics reflect the sociological psychological reality which is that uh people in crisis turn to god and so i could reframe that pastors do their best work not when things are easy and the sun is out but when things are tough and people are hurting and so this is a, a moment of extraordinary opportunity for us because i believe those in our churches, and those outside our churches are asking new questions um, about what they can trust, about um, what's safe and true in the world, and even about beyond life, because suddenly we've all been confronted with our own mortality and vulnerability in a way that we do not like. I was just at the Alpha USA conference in Phoenix, and there was story after story of people saying, people who would not have come to Alpha before the pandemic are now coming to Alpha. People who were not open before are now uh, open their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, this is a hard time for us as leaders. There's much discouragement. It's uh, It's an incredibly difficult job, but I believe this is the moment that we've been raised up for. And exactly as you say, David, as we find resilience in the lord we will find that these are the years of our greatest legacy in the lives of other people for the glory of jesus christ
0: i couldn't agree more with that um pete would you pray uh for us for our listeners and our viewers um uh to to hear god in a fresh way today
1: i'd love to lord jesus thank you that you do not call us servants but friends i ask for each person listening that you would draw us deeper in our own ability to hear and recognize the nuance of your voice speak to us you say to us man shall not live by bread alone but by every 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 word that proceeds from the mouth of the father so speak to us we pray today open our ears speak to us lord in new ways not just in the ways that are familiar but in ways that surprise us and lord as those who you've entrusted with leadership help us not to try and be the answer to people's questions but to be those who provoke people in their questions to find you as the answer holy spirit fill us jesus equip us we pray Father, this is all for your glory. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Pete, it is such a pleasure to hang with you today. Thank you so much again for joining us here on Church Pulse Weekly.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, friends, listeners, thanks so much for being here today. Uh, We'll be back next time with a fresh episode of this podcast. And uh, subscribe if you haven't already or like and recommend it to friends. And again, uh, Pete's book is How to Hear God, a simple guide for normal people, and it's available wherever books are sold. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Church Pulse Weekly Podcast. Join us next week for more insights on navigating constant change in an era of disruption and how to stay connected to the people in your church.